Ladies and gentlemen, how do? Hello and welcome to Mondo Street Social Club, a new podcast aimed at bringing creative minds together. Mondo Street is about sharing the creative process, discussing the highs and lows, and talking about how we cope when the creative genie eludes us. Pull up your comfy chair, put on your best headphones, and enjoy the next hour. Welcome to Mondo Street Social Club. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by uh, Derek from Capitol Fox. I just pronounced that completely wrong. I'll try again. Capitol Fox. It's yes. the ways of technology and the mouth not working. How are you? I'm doing well, Phil. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. And thanks for taking time out to, uh, to jump onto the podcast today. Uh, you're over in sunny Florida. Yes, sir. We're, our band is located in Florida on the East Coast. Uh, we're very near the uh, Space Center where NASA is located. Yes, sir. And we're, we're hoping yeah. to uh, blast off into the stratosphere, so to speak. <laughs> and, and I think at the moment, so if, so if I just run through, so you've got Coleman on vocals and guitar, uh, Todd on drums, and then yourself, Derek, on bass. Yes, sir. That is correct. We're, we're a three-piece uh, in, in the studio for, for your listeners that uh, check out our music. Uh, we, we often record a, a second, third, a fourth guitar part. So uh, live, we're, we're hoping to hire a, a hired gun to be the second guitar player because uh, the way we write music has multiple guitar tracks. So at, at some point, we'll, we'll need to add a hired gun to the roster. Yeah, because that was, that was one of the things because you were kind enough to send over some uh, kind of like pre, pre-release clips from the EP. Um, and one of the one of the tracks, and we'll get to the whole EP in in a minute. But the writing on the wall is a is an amazing part in there, where you've got a, a guitar solo with some really nice harmonized guitars, just sitting behind it in the pocket. Thank you, thank you so much for that. Yes, uh, Coleman, uh, our as you mentioned, our lead singer and our guitar player. Uh, the amount of talent that he has is is a bit shocking to me at times. Uh, uh, Todd and I have played together as at the rhythm section in uh, multiple bands throughout the years. Uh, we've only just been working with Coleman for about the past two years or so, and he is among one of the best singers I've ever worked with. So it's not fair yeah. that he's also among one of the best guitar players I've ever worked with. Uh, I, I actually started off on guitar and uh, in my first band, actually, as I mentioned, Todd, the drummer, he was in this band back when we were teenagers. And uh, my, my, uh, we were in high school, actually, and I was going to play guitar. My mom took me on a two-week summer vacation to Europe. I, I got to see England as part of that, by the way. Uh, but w- when I got back to town, uh, they said, oh, hey, Derek, by the way, uh, we found this new cat to, to play guitar. So uh, we like him better than you on guitar. But if you want to play bass, you could. <laughs> and I had never considered playing bass up till that point, but, uh, but I did. I picked it up. But I, to the, my point is, Phil, to this day, I still play bass as a guitar player would with a pick slung down low. Uh, yeah. bass, bass players like Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses or Velvet Revolver. Mm-hmm. He's like w- one of my influences. He, he He's a guitar playing bass player as well. So what's the story then about how you guys got together? Because you said that you and Todd had played together and then Coleman's come in along a, a couple of years later. Was Were you looking to become a three-piece or did it happen organically? So... Uh, Todd, and, Todd and I reconnected uh, around r- right before the pandemic started. 
at the end of 2019 or 2020, we reconnected. And uh, it was the funniest thing. He, he said, I've got uh, a couple of guys that would like to do a Dokken slash Rat uh, tribute band. Oh, and, uh, you know, two, two B-list hair bands from the 80s. You know, yeah, I could understand. Yeah. Tribute bands are, I, I don't know, in England, but over here, tribute bands are more popular than ever. Yeah, they're, big, they're, big business over here. Big business. They're, they're all over the place. So, you know, I could I could picture somebody doing like a Motley Crue tribute act or, you know, maybe a White Snake, Bon Jovi. But, you know, I, I, I like Doc and, and Rat. You know, I'm familiar with them, but I'm not sure the ticket buying public would be. But anyway, to make a long story <laughs> short, we, we did one gig with that uh, and, and that band sort of fizzled. But he, he was like, well, you know what, Derek, by the way, I've got this other kid. And I, I mentioned a kid because Todd and I are older, but uh, Coleman, I think he was 25 at the time. Um, yeah. he, he's been playing in a lot of local bars in his band, which is called Love Valley. Uh, they're a cover band. They also mix in some original music. And he said, check them out. So I, I looked at some of the videos that uh, Coleman had posted of his band and also of his acoustic covers. And I was just blown away by his talent. But the first voice that came to mind I, I, I don't want I don't want to reduce his talent by just naming one person, but a lot of people that hear him sing say he sounds like Chris Cornell and yeah. one of the greatest vocalists ever. So I, I the very first video I heard of Coleman, he was just him in his bedroom with his acoustic guitar uh, playing an Oasis song. And it, it sounded like they, they had been transcended. You know, yeah. what if Chris Cornell was an Oasis? And it, it blew my mind. So so then. When you became a three-piece, was, was it uh, was it an easy fit? It it is. A, it's oftentimes m musicians or artists in general. Uh, some are more reliable than others. Um, <laughs> egos are involved. So suffice to say, it's easier to get three people to show up at, at a rehearsal than it is to get four or five people. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are looking to add a fourth person for live purposes, but uh, all three of us are songwriters. So uh, all the songs on the CP were written jointly by us. So for each person to feel satisfied that they've gotten their, their message across and gotten their music heard, it's a lot easier with three. If we had a fourth or fifth person that was like, hey, let, let's work on one of my songs now, you know, that takes away from each of the enjoyment that we have. Yeah. Okay. You, you mentioned that you, that you all write. What, what's your creative process like? Is it, do you set particular days and time? Do you work from a, from a guitar pattern or a drum pattern? How does it work for you as a band? It's a great question, Phil. This day, these days with technology, we're able to email ideas back and forth. Uh, I, I'm at, whenever I'm at home and pick up a guitar, sort of a blessing and a curse i'd be a lot more proficient as a musician if, if i had the de dedication to pick up a guitar and actually practice and do the same parts and learn scales and, and do the same things over and over and work on technique um, that's the curse part the blessing part is every time i pick up guitar uh just about nine out of ten times i'll come up with a brand new song um so so it, it's like I say a blessing and a curse so we'll in coleman's pretty much the same. So we'll send ideas back and forth over email or send a video, uh, you know, to show each other the, the parts and, and the, the chord positions and all that. Um, and then Todd is the glue that brings it all together. He has a lot of experience uh, in the songwriting arena, as well as the production side. Uh, he was the, he was the engineer uh, on the CP. 
And uh, between the three of us, but with him wearing the captain's hat and sitting in the captain's seat, uh, it was self-produced. So Todd has a great ear for saying, okay, uh, the way way you guys sent it on the email, that first verse might be a little bit too long. Let's cut it. Let's add a pre-chorus here. Let's put the bridge over there. So all the craft of, of taking what just started off as a riff that I wrote on my couch and some lyrics that I came up with, he's great at turning it into a fleshed out product. Right. That's impressive because one of my questions was, who was the engineer? Who produced the EP? Because the sound on it is incredible. It's, it's, it's big without being overbearing, you know, going, to, going almost into hair metal. It, it's, it's just the right side of big. It's great sound. Thank you. Yes. Todd Sharon is an amazing drummer and engineer as well. And a producer, I would have to say. My favorite track of the clip you sent over is uh, Truth Behind the Lies. That's the one that, that resonated with me the most. Was there anything in particular about the way that was written or recorded? Uh, that was one that uh, Coleman brought to us. He, he wrote uh, the lyrics on that. He came up with the uh, main guitar riff. Uh, what it, If we ever get to the point where we're releasing box sets and retrospectives, as many you know, as many of the big bands do, uh, sometimes they'll include in a box set demos of the original songs and, and uh, you know, huge fans of the band would really like to dig into that and see how the song originally sounded in the demo versus the, the finished product. If it ever came to that, Phil, you would see there, there's quite a difference between uh, what we started with and where it ended up. And a lot of that was in, in the studio once we started recording it decided, you know, let's uh, let's overdub a guitar part here, you know, let's put on the outro, let's do an outro solo and that sort of thing. And a lot of that is uh, window dressing and just ear candy to add to it. But but if Coleman didn't have that original idea and those original riffs, you know, we wouldn't have been able to flesh it out like that. Yeah, it it I can, I can feel within that track a little bit of Velvet Revolver. Uh, um. One of my uh, good friend of mine that I appreciate his musical takes. Uh, that's the first thing he said was Velvet Revolver, and uh, Todd, Todd and I go back to to uh, Guns and Roses, which is you know the original Velvet Revolver r- rhythm section. Um, so so for sure, you know the, the same guys just with just with a more I think Velvet Revolver took what GNR was doing and mixed it with grunge. Um, and, and a lot of people are, are saying that's what they're hearing in this. So I've got no complaints with that whatsoever. I like it. So what I want to just do now is I'm just going to pause for a minute and play the clip of uh, Truth Behind the Lies, which you sends over, so people can get a flavor of, of what it is that you sound like. Very good. Absolutely fantastic. Love the the sound, the size of it. How long do you think before the EP is out? Have you got a release date set out for it already? Uh, yes, it, it was actually, I'm glad you asked, it was actually released last week on April 20th. Uh, we, we chose the date of 420 just to be a little cheeky. Um, but uh, but but that that's the uh, date it's been released and uh, it's been 
getting good reception since then. I think we've had three or four uh, websites that do music reviews, uh, write pieces on it already. So yes, it's great. It's we've been working working on this all throughout COVID, um, and now to finally get it released. Now that you know all of us in the world are free, uh, you know these restrictions. Hopefully forever. Who knows if we'll have another one down the road? But it's nice that these songs are also likewise released and out in the wild, ready to run and frolic and 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 get get up in everyone's ears and nestle and have a good time in there. And, and that's the most important about, thing about getting them out there, isn't it? It's, it's get them into people's ears, get them into people's psyche, because these these tracks are actually going to catch people. I think they're uh, I think they're going to start tapping the toes, as we say over here, and and really getting into them. And I think what you're going to find is there's quite a big demand for you uh, fr- from a from a live point of view. Do you do you play a lot at the moment? We've had one. We've had our premiere show. Uh, was here locally, and it was in a town called Satellite Beach. So if you're near the Space Center and you're on the coast with the beach, uh, Satellite Beach is a great name for a town, I've always thought. Uh, We opened up for a stalwart of the 80s scene, uh, a a hair band back from the 80s called Enough's Enough. And we opened for them, and they brought with them an incredible act, another three-piece uh, from Nebraska called the Midnight Devils. So for, you, for your listeners, you, you've probably heard of Enough's Enough, but check out the Midnight Devils, this uh, up-and-coming band from Nebraska. So that, that show went great. Uh, everyone had a good time, the, the crowd included. And now we're sort of picking and choosing our, our spots uh, we're trying to position ourselves as a as a middle act that would open for national acts as they come through the state or through the region and the southeast of America. Going back slightly then to the the creative process, have you ever hit a wall creatively? I know you say when you pick up the guitar, you you're quite fortunate; lots of stuff comes out. But as a as a band, have you ever really really struggled with a track? In in this band, uh, no, we, we've not reached that. In fact, we we've already begun recording uh the next group of songs and it we have enough to do a full lp this time um but even even with you know 10 ideas on the hopper you know we still have more that we haven't gotten to yet so so not with this but to answer your question um i've always liked recording my ideas as i go whether it's to share with my bandmates or for my own reference so i'll be so if I do hit a wall, Phil, what I'll do is I'll go back through those MP3s, those recordings that I have on my phone or on my computer, and I'll, I'll uncover things that I forgot I even wrote and be like, okay, yeah, that, that's great. And either I can start working on this again from the ground up, or oftentimes what will happen is I'll find one or two parts from that song that I can then mesh with something else that, that's going on. Take a pre-course from here to add to another verse from another idea and it's like being a chef you know if you have enough good ingredients you'll come up with something good so so a really good takeaway from that then is if you if you're creating something don't throw it away keep it and and review it again at a later date if needed yes yeah absolutely Uh, from another creative outlet i i like to do is uh is prose and writing and in writing groups that i'm in i'm surprised whenever somebody says you know i just got sickened with my draft i just deleted the whole thing what you're don't delete it you know come come back to it with fresh eyes whether it's a week a month a year later keep that you know it 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 takes a lot of blood sweat and tears just to get that output down you know 
leave it alone, let it rest, let it marinate. Uh, when you come back later, you'll be a different person. The writing might be the exact same, but you'll be a different person and it might resonate more with you then. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very sage advice. How about the, uh, the other guys? Do they have any other creative outlets? So Coleman, as I said, has uh, his, his other cover band called Love Valley. Um, they're quite busy. Plus, Coleman does acoustic shows. So he, he literally is a professional musician. That's how he uh, makes 100% of his income. He's playing out five or six nights a week. And then uh, plus doing what we do in the studio. Uh, Todd Sharon, the, the amazing drummer, uh, he is now with a Cure tribute band. Uh, they have their lead singer, Rusty, looks and sounds and his demeanor, his even off the stage, acts exactly like Robert Smith, and they sound uh, amazing. Uh, the Cure is one of my favorite bands, and Robert Smith is one of my biggest uh, songwriting influences. So I'm just amazed at the production that they can put on, and they're getting picked up into some. They're they're playing corporate events and casinos and that sort of thing. So so for the listeners, you know, if you're interested in seeing a. a a plus cure tribute act that that band is called love song so but well let me ask you phil so so be, what is popular currently in in music in, in england unfortunately um from what i see in here it's chart material um so there's a lot of um what i would class as disposable pop music right yeah um but, well mixed in with pop uh you know, you you will find some good stuff mixed in. Uh, I, I like uh, what Harry Styles has been doing. Um, so he he's got a good voice and the the styles that styles. I, no pun intended, but to, but some of the flavors that he's using um, in his latest singles um, aren't the traditional what everyone else has been doing in top forty. Um, and uh, the, the new Miley Cyrus song um, has like this old sort of like Motown type type of feel to it. Um, so, so you can find some good stuff j just because it's pop, but, but, but I hear you uh, other than that, you, what's, what gets played and what, uh, record companies are looking for is just a copy of another copy. To quote nine inch nails, a copy of a copy of a copy of a yes. copy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, so where do you think then if, if you start getting picked up as a middle act, you know, do you have aspirations to go further afield? Do you have aspirations to maybe get out on a national tour yourselves yes uh we uh, todd and i and various other bands that have done tours you know large scale larger scale tours uh i've uh i was in a band for a while through armed forces entertainment so playing overseas at military bases for for the American service members, and we'd get to go to far-flung countries and some very exotic places. So touring is great fun. These days, though, it's it's uh, it's you've really got to front the money. Um, even the the biggest bands. I, I was just reading an interview with Roger Daltrey saying they may never come back to the states to tour again because they have to front the whole bill. They have to pay it out of pocket first, and they don't start making their money back till the fourth or six, the fourth or fifth city. And he was pointing out if he gets sick after the first or second show, whether it's from COVID or just because he's old and gets sick and yeah, breaks down, yeah. they're never going to recoup their money. You know, then they have they have to eat it. So, th th of course, that's at the largest scale, you know, in stadiums. But the point remains, it's hard to make money as a touring band. You're, you're not going to make money off of 
album sales. You won't make it off of downloads. Uh, so you'll make it pretty much off of merch. And what, what a lot of venues are doing now is they want their piece of the pie. They're asking the bands to pay them a percentage of the merch. And it, it, I don't know over there if the festival concert poster is a thing. Do you, do you see these festival posters where they've got the, you know, the two or three headliners and the biggest font underneath them is like six bands that you've heard of in smaller font, but under them is like 20 bands and you yeah. might've heard of one or two of them. So, so that's how you start. So, so that would be our next step is be one of those bands in the smallest spot that you're like, I've never heard of Capital Fox, but, and I wouldn't go see them cause I've never heard of them, but I'm going to see the headliner and maybe I'll see the side stage and check them out. Yeah. I, I went to see um, a band pretty much on the, on that kind of thing. I, I hadn't heard of them. Take a chance at a band called Royal Blood. Which, oh, of course, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the two piece. Yeah, and they are phenomenal. It was the uh, yeah, it was the, the amount of pain that that bass caused my knees. It was in a confined uh, space. It was okay. one of the the O2 uh, rooms that have in Liverpool, and the bass was chasing down the room and coming back. Okay, and it was oh, it was absolutely insane. Like, what a band. Well, I, I mentioned earlier that it's easier being in a three-piece than a four-piece. Well, they've got the right idea. There's just two of them. They have. There's just two of them, yeah. I suppose the logical extension of that is just be a one-piece. I, I, I would I would love to run my bass through a through a large guitar amp sometime and see how that sounds. Of course, I, I, I have a distortion pedal through my bass amp, but it's not the same as what he does, splitting the signal and you know having a bass amp and, and, and a guitar amp. Yeah, have you actually seen the map before it, what he does with it? It's... It's astounding. It really is astounding. So what we'll do now, we'll just stop for a second and we'll play uh, Writing on the Wall. Get that clip. back from that clip again that's the that's the track with the uh, nice harmonized guitars in the pocket which i really really like so we've we've spoken about your influences so guns and roses some 70s uh 70s rock influences in there do you like thin lizzy as well because i think that's what that harmonized guitar reminds me of uh, uh, yeah classic band uh you know phil another phil cl class classic bass player uh has a statue to himself in his in his hometown am i right yeah so so an amazing band and i think sort of a i think sort of ahead of their time you'd have to ask steve harris this but i, I think they might have been a big influence for the way he writes songs and all all, all the guitar parts in maiden uh those dual harmonies uh, that steve comes up with those first uh for for the songs that he's credited with, which is the majority of their catalog. So yeah, that dual guitar harmony sound sounds great. Uh, e even bands that weren't really hard rock or metal, like the Eagles, the Hotel California solo, you know, 
classic guitar harmony. So it, I just like the way they sound. And when we get into the studio, that's one of the first places our mind goes. Um, we, we, we sort of craft, working with Coleman, we craft these solos as we go. And, and then by the end of the session, uh, we listen back to it. And a couple of them have changed from the, the final version that your listeners will hear. Uh, you know, we'll go home and we'll all listen to it for, for a week or so and then come back and say, yes, let's keep it that way. Or no, I've got one more idea. Let's tweak it a little bit. But as you were saying, yes, a, a lot of our songs feature multiple guitar parts. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's a great way of uh, building uh, drama and uh, that, that soundstage. It's a really good way of doing that. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. Completely a big fan. Um, if you could have, if you as a bass player or a guitarist could drop into another band, which band would you want to drop into? You too. Oh, that's a surprise. Go on then. What, what, one, what, probably my favorite band of all, all time is U2. Uh, um, all about uh, hooks. And for me, when I listen to music, I want a song I can sing along with. Um, the louder, the better. Uh, I might not be in key, and that's why I'm not the lead singer. But uh, going to the the concerts I've been to, you know, of course, we're in stadiums with, you know, 50,000 other like-minded fans, but they were religious experiences. Um, j just the, you know, the best live band in the world. And they're, and you, you can't argue with their studio output either. So, uh, so it, if, if they ever need to replace Adam, it looks like they're replacing Larry now uh, at, as he's out injured and they're doing this new residency in Vegas uh, with, with some fill-in drummer, which a lot of fans are up in arms about. Uh, but but if they ever need to to replace somebody on bass, give me a call. And, and then the, the second band, and I, I just want to mention that uh, I'm, I'm also a father. My, my son is 11 and he's grown up around music and it's so hard to get his approval for for what I do, because I've because I've I've shown him so many great musical acts that you know his dad stuff is like yeah it's okay but I don't know so so one other band Phil that that I would love to play in um, is my son's favorite band which because I showed them to him I, they they're one of my favorite bands is My Chemical Romance uh, which, uh, that was uh, my son's first concert last year. Um, they, they reunited after a while. And even though every show of this tour, Gerard Way was wearing some different costume. For one show, he was in a cheerleader's outfit with a flamethrower on stage. One, he was dressed up as Jonah's Ark. Uh, we had no idea what we were going to get. And at our show, which was, if I recall, uh, right around uh, Halloween, he was wearing a ghost costume, just a literal sheet from a white sheet from his head all the way down to his feet. You couldn't even see him. And, and then the, after five or six songs, the crowd was chanting, take it off, take it. And so he finally took it off so you could see him because you want to see him emote, you know, and and, and, and and belt out those lyrics with all the facial expressions. Well, one thing I always ask people is, is your creativity, you know, do you, was your family, uh, your parents, are they creative at all? Do you, do you have any siblings? Are they creative? No, I'm the only uh, artist in the family, at, at least this medium. Um, I did have a grandmother who painted, and uh, my, my mother, if she listens to this, it has the art of interior design, 
but 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 as far as uh, other performing arts or or writing that sort of creativity. Um, that's something that uh, I found myself in probably because I was an only child and I had a lot of time to myself. So I had to entertain myself and then to capture my parents' attention, you know, I, I would have to show them something that I created. So, so how old were you then when the actual, the music book hit you and you knew that you wanted to start creating your own music or practicing to a degree where you could actually get proficient? I started taking guitar lessons when I was 13 um, and it was just, you know, just something kind of fun to do. Uh, but it, it didn't sink its hooks into me till I was uh, about 15. And from that point on, it's, uh, it's what I knew I, I had to do. Okay. And did that ever cause any troubles with your, uh, your studying? Uh, oh no, it, it's not, it's no trouble at all. You just have to drop out of high school. That's all. You laugh, but I, I did not graduate high school. However, I went back and later after I decided eh, it might be good to, to get a high school diploma, I went back and got an equivalence degree. And then after that, went went to college. But at, at the time as a teenager, what, you know, it rock and roll doesn't care about a high school diploma, but kids out but kids out there, including my own, if you listen to this, stay in school, kids. Stay in school, learn a profession, and then learn the guitar, the drums. There, there's, the time, there's, there's time for everything. Yeah, you, you've got to have something to fall back on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because everyone I've been talking to, I've, I've been talking to them about their, their family history uh, as to whether creativity is, is nature or nurture. And it, it's certainly coming across that it is more nature, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm curious to see what becomes of my son. You know, I've, I've heard some studies, you know, with lab mice and that sort of thing, that genetics can be passed down and he might have uh, musical knowledge and ability in his genes uh, without even knowing it. Um, at, at this point, he, he's, he's 11 and he's a perfectionist. If he doesn't get it perfect the first time, he doesn't want to try a second time. So, uh, We'll, we'll see if that changes when he gets a little bit older and starts uh, getting uh, noticing girls and it decides, you know, how am I going to get their attention? I, I don't know if it's still the same now in school, in high school, but, you know, back back in the day, you know, girls love musicians. That's one, one of the reasons I wanted to do it as well, not just to create a creativity aspect, but uh, you don't have to have a lot of game and a lot of good pickup lines <laughs> if they know you're in a band. Yeah. Particularly if you're the lead singer. That that's that's true. So yeah, they, they, they all went mad for the lead singer for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so yeah, so there's a you'll know this guy, Rick Beato. He's a record producer. Yes. Yeah. His son. There's a really good video of him with his son, who's I think he's around about eleven, twelve. Okay. Um, and he's got perfect pitch. So he's standing with his back to a piano while Beato is actually playing notes and chords. And this kid is going C sharp, C minor seven. Wow. It's just like, wow. It's absolutely crazy. And and that that's gotta come from nurture to some degree, has to. Yeah, and on, on my timeline, I for some reason the algorithm shows me a lot of uh young drummers. Uh, many of them are are girls. Uh, mm. they look like they're, you know, ten or younger and, and they're playing Metallica or Event Sevenfold drum parts perfectly. It's quite scary, that, isn't it? When we think about how, uh, when we were that old, we hadn't even picked up an instrument. 
but that dedication, maybe it's something to do with social media and monetization. If if they if they can do that, they can get paid. Is that their idea of musicianship? I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's one take well, on it. Well, well personally, uh, you know, I worry. What's the next generation of music of rock music? heavy rock music going to sound like because you know it's falling out out of favor and uh you know hip-hop and and other genres are becoming more prevalent but then you see a video with you know a 10 year old you know playing a perfect guitar solo um on instagram you're like okay the the, the talent's never going to go away and th this this music will, will always resonate yeah i think I'd, i think i'd be a little bit more in, impressed if it if they'd actually written the guitar solo as well because I think that there is some duplication involved there. Um, I do another podcast uh, called One Grump or Two, which is about okay. me and my, my mate who are a little bit older, we, and we get a little bit grumpy every now and again. And one of the questions that we asked each other the other day was, uh, where is the next generation, or who's going to be the next rock gods? So if we think about right. Springsteen, <clears throat> McCartney, wh whatever your favorite is of that age, once they've gone, who replaces them? And and the, the conversation was, you know, if you if you look across the the musical sphere at the moment, there isn't anybody, you know, that there's, you know, you can't, you can't imagine Ed Sheeran or Justin Bieber um, becoming musical icons to a degree of somebody like Lemmy. Right. Yeah. My, my own opinion on, on what I like to see in a rock icon is a little bit of danger. Uh, somebody that you're not sure what they're going to do next you know, it doesn't have to be the, the classic throwing a TV out of a hotel window. Uh, you know, that's passe. Um, but somebody like uh, Dave Grohl, you know, universally beloved, incredibly talented. N nobody doesn't like the Foo Fighters. I appreciate them. I, they're not on any of my playlists, but, you know, I, I definitely appreciate them. But w when, when I say, you know, why I haven't fallen in love with the Foo Fighters is they're just too nice there there's no elemental there's no element of danger with dave Grohl. he's just the nicest biggest sweetheart you know and i and 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 i just like a little bit of somebody that's just a little bit off just a little <laughs> bit touched yeah yeah somebody that you uh you let them walk into the room before you <laughs> <laughs> somebody that'll keep you on your toes uh you know with their with their behavior with their demeanor and that comes out in the music you, you never know what to expect yeah, totally, totally. That's uh, that is so true, and, and it's a good call about Dave Grohl as well. You know, his, his musical output is incredibly high quality, but he is just so nice. You know, oh, he's so wholesome. He is. Can can you just get you know caught in a hotel with a couple of strippers one time, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> give give us something salacious to write about, please. You don't have to overdose, but just you know, admit that you woke up with a hangover one day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a hangover, two hookers, and a hamster. <laughs> don't well, if, you, if you if you can if you can see the hamster, then it's not that bad. But the hamster <laughs> is hidden. Oh, let's not go into the uh, '80s movie star uh, rumors about hamsters. Richard Gere. Oh, you beat me to it. Well done, sir. That was uh, that was a bizarre thing for him. It really, really was. Oh, it's not for me to decide anyway. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to play the third clip, uh, which is Thievery Incorporated.
I've got to ask where that title came from. Um, that's one of the songs that, that uh, I wrote. And it's the, the refrain at the end of the song that the actual chorus of the song is amateurs borrow and professional steal, which I didn't come up with that phrase. I've, I've heard that around. So I stole the phrase um, from them. So it, you know, it has to do with, with art and, you know, an amateur will just copy somebody's art, but you can still tell it was, they, they didn't change it. It's still just a copy of what the first person did. Whereas a professional will, will nick it completely and make it their own. They'll make enough changes to it. Pro- probably what the Rolling Stones did way back when, when, when they took R and B music, they didn't just copy it. They didn't borrow it. They stole it. And it's now their own. They now own that. So, I had that phrase in my mind, but then also heartstrings involved, how dealing, dealing with uh, another person in a relationship um, that, that might be of a transactional nature um, and that could make you feel like they've stolen your heart. They didn't borrow it. They stole it and they changed your heart so much that now belongs to them. They now own it. So, so I'm, I'm not sure where, where the, where I came up with the idea for thievery incorporated. I, after I came up with it, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. But a, a, a lot of times in, in, when I hear other artists say it, I'm like, man, that's a cop out. But it happened so often to myself that it, it just comes from above. It, it comes, from, comes from your muse. Uh, I feel sometimes I'm just a vessel. And if I'm in the right place at the right time with the guitar or with a, a pad to write things down, if I'm to have clear eyes and a full heart, that ideas will come. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, Thievery Incorporated. That sounds pretty cool. It, 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 is, it is cool. It's, yeah. I, I was talking to a, a singer-songwriter, um, UK artist called Carol Hodge the other day, and she said that she believes that, I think it was Elgar said that music is all around us all of the time, and it's up to us to just kind of like put a hand up and pluck something out. So it's almost, we, we coin the phrase between us, the stream. So the stream is going past us all the time yes. and we're just plucking things out of it. And, and it's not, it's not just music. It, it's all, all forms of creativity. Yeah. You, you, it, it, if you're looking in the right spot, you might find the next billion dollar business idea. Or I, I, I wish Hollywood would start looking for it instead of remaking the same movie a second or a third or a fourth time. Um, they're talking about what will happen in a couple of years when AI is now producing art for us and producing songs. I'm like, well, let's see what they do with movies. I wouldn't mind seeing an AI script. It can't be worse than, than a, what a Hollywood's remaking for the fifth time. Where did the title for the EP come from? Bend me, twist me, fit me. It's uh, the first three lines of the first song on the EP. Uh, those were some of Coleman's lyrics. Yep. Um, as, as we were looking for an EP title, uh, we didn't really have a concept in mind. Um, songs from lockdown, songs from COVID, nothing, nothing, that's, that's way too bland and boring. Uh, but uh, some, some lyrics that he wrote uh, stuck out of my mind, in my mind, and I, I told the guys, let's call it that, and they liked it, and there you go. It, it really does uh, sum up the whole EP. So is there anything that you'd like to promote? You got any uh, gigs coming up? This episode will be out in about two weeks. Uh, for, for the listeners out there, uh, hopefully we've made a new fan or two. Um, just You can just Google Capital Fox Band. If you leave off the band, you, if you leave the band part off, you'll find out how we came up with the name. You'll see all the news articles. The, the, 
just just quickly, Phil, there there, there was a, around 2020 in Washington, D.C., there was a rabid fox in the nation's capital, which was biting politicians on both sides of the aisle, uh, both our Democrats and our Republicans. It was it was uh, chasing and attacking politicians on both sides. So our band doesn't have a political message um, other than we think uh, both sides suck and need to do a lot better. So we found out there was an animal that also thought both sides suck. Uh, and the news stories were calling it the Capital Fox. Uh, Todd, the drummer, heard that. And he was like, guys, I have the band name, Capital Fox. So anyway, to, to the listeners, Google Capital Fox Band. You'll see the links to our, to our sites and our socials. Please check us out. If you like it, drop us a line, tag us or message us. We're very responsive. We'd, we'd love to meet any new listeners. Yeah, great. And uh, my hope is that people pick you up, that they listen to you as much as possible, and that you get some really good uh, dates and tours out of this. And if you do, come and do the uh, the UK. We will, and, and we'll, we'll have to do a, a live Mondo Street Social Club episode for, for, for that one, my man. That would be fantastic. Well, Derek, thank you very much for your time today. It's uh, I'll leave you to the lovely weather of Florida. Uh, you can leave me to the the meh of Derbyshire. Um, <laughs> and good luck with the rest of the football season as well. Thanks. Good good luck to your Newcastle. We, we were talking off air. I, I'm a Gunner supporter, so I'm... Yeah. I'm a little crestfallen now after the the Man City <laughs> the Man City result, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, when we play your lot in uh, about two weeks. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm sure one of us will be smiling, and the other one will be very, very, very quiet. Fair, fair enough. Thank you for having me, Phil. Thanks, pal. Take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to uh, this episode. Thank you to our guest. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Feel free to uh, hit us up on any of the socials. Uh, on our website is www.mondostreet.co.uk. Looking forward to seeing you again on our next episode. Bye.